Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to the Baseball America College podcast. I'm Teddy Cahill. We are here on Selection Monday, uh, May 27th, Memorial Day, uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we are breaking down the field of 64, the NCAA released today. We finally have an official field to talk about. No need to talk about projected fields anymore, except to mention that for the third year in a row, we went 63 for 64 on getting the, the teams right in the field. So we're going to continue talking about that uh, for at least another year now. Joining me on the podcast, are we've got Dave Serrano and Joe. And uh, as you may know, we have... Um, that there was a first part to this episode. We are now into part two. We are halfway through the bracket, um, and we will get into that. But first of all, welcome back, Joe and Dave. Thanks for having us back, Teddy. Hey, ready for part two? Part uh, part one was straight fire, as the kids would say. So uh, looking forward to part two. Absolutely. And uh, so we're on to the bottom half of the bracket, and we will start with Fayetteville, where Arkansas is the number five overall seed. They get Cal uh, coming in from the Pac-12, TCU. uh, And as we discussed in the first part of this podcast, TCU was a bit controversial in their selection. And number four, Central Connecticut State, which upset Bryant in the Northeast Conference tournament. Uh, They doubled up on the Bulldogs in the championship game. Arkansas, I mean, looking at this, they're definitely the favorite. Cal has been good. Uh, they have not won a series against a regional team, however. Their resume, I, you know, they've been a team that's kind of been on the outside of the top 25 all year, and we just haven't really had any impetus to put them in because they, while they play all these good teams tough, you know, they they just can't find a way to win one. Of, hadn't been able to find one of, a way to win one of those series uh, that's been true against LSU, UCLA, Oregon State. Uh, Stanford, even Arizona State. I mean, the third game there was rained out, but they split that two-game series. So I'll be interested to see what Cal looks like this weekend. I I know they're going to play it tough, but uh, I don't think they have the firepower to compete here in Baum Stadium. Now, Arkansas, however, does come in scuffling just a little bit. They lost that series final weekend of the year at A&M and then didn't really show out that much in Hoover. Started okay ultimately was a one and two finish in Hoover. Uh, but now they're headed home where obviously they play a lot better. Dave, when you look at this though, uh, can any of these teams challenge Arkansas? You know, I, as much as I was critical about TCU getting in, I, I think what this is going to come down to, because we talked about this earlier in the weekend that, uh, you know, Arkansas offense is scuffling a little bit. You know, they, you know, they, they didn't, they didn't hit well against AM, but a lot of people don't hit well against AM. They didn't hit extremely well in the SEC tournament. And uh, now they get back to bomb, so it may change a little bit. I think the biggest thing in this regional, and I don't have any inside information of this, is if does TCU's coaching staff, led by Jim Sloshnado, do they go in there thinking we're playing with house money 
And do they hold back Nick Lodolo in game one, not looking past Cal, but do they, can they go to someone else in game one to get past Cal, hold Lodolo for game two, which presumably will be Arkansas, which to me makes this matchup pretty intriguing because the one thing, and Joe, you saw this, the one thing you could say about TCU was they were pretty offensive in the Big 12 tournament. And it wasn't about their offense, why, why they came up a little short. I think some of it was their defense that's been inconsistent throughout the whole season. But for me, going into this regional, obviously Arkansas is, is the favorite. Okay? That they should be the favorite. And they've always have been the favorite when they're playing at home. But does TCU change course a little bit and go Matt, try to match up Ladola if they get into game two versus Arkansas? Yeah, I mean, when you look at that uh, with the motivations, I, I also just wonder, does TCU, they're, they're going to have heard a lot this week about whether they belonged in the field or not. How do the Frogs react uh, to that talk? And, and do, do they use that as motivation? Or, you know, is this team, you know, not is that not something that they can tap into? And, and we'll just have to, to wait and see for that on Friday. But Joe, uh, when you look at this, who, who presents the biggest challenge to Arkansas? You know, I think it might actually be, you know, kind of to Dave's point, as much as we talked about, you know, TCU's wor- you know, uh, worthiness at the beginning, uh, I think they can present a problem. And I've always been of the, of the mind and I've not had to make this decision like Dave has had in his career with, with regionals, but I'm always kind of of the mind, you know, you're there to win a regional. I mean, and I understand you have to win game one in order to really kind of set you up for success. But, you know, what good does it do you, especially if you're TCU? If, if you're a low major, mid-major team, maybe winning a game or two games would be a big deal. And you, you want to kind of build on that. But if you're TCU, you're looking to win this regional. And, you know, I think TCU's got other arms that they could throw. I mean, I think Charles King looked good at, at certain points of the Big 12 tournament. Or Brandon Williamson has had his moments. You know, I think... Those two guys, they trust enough to go out there and beat Cal to save Lodolo for a matchup with Arkansas. And, and boy, Lodolo against that Arkansas offense and bomb just inject that straight into my veins. Um, that would be pretty good stuff there. Um, so, you know, I say go that my opinion on, again, from someone who's never had to make that tough decision, you know, go try to win a regional. Put yourself in the best position to win the regional, not to win a single game. And um, I think the path to doing so is, is start one of those other guys against Cal. Um, and, and try to save Lodolo there. Of course, you know, I say that, and of course Cal has Andrew Vaughn, and their offense wasn't just Andrew Vaughn this year. I mean, it's a pretty good offense altogether. So that is a risky thing to do, but there again, I think they're they're there to win a regional. They're not there to just kind of survive. So that's my take on that. I, I still like Arkansas. I think the offensive thing, the struggles of their offenses um, has been concerning the last couple of weeks, but, but ultimately they're going to be back home, kind of in the friendly confines. That offense is good enough. I don't have a lot of worry about that. I mean, could they be quiet, you know, be a quiet offense again this weekend? Sure. You know, that that just happens. That's baseball. But um, I'm pretty confident they'll be able to bounce back a little bit there. Uh, Central Connecticut State, uh, kudos to them for for doubling up on Bryant. That's just a really hard thing to do. I mean, Bryant, uh, the class of that conference, clearly. And there's been years where Bryant has won that conference and maybe hasn't been quite as talented or quite as good. This was not one of those years. That was a talented Bryant team. So you're certainly doing something if you if you get that done. A couple of other notes, uh, Central Connecticut State has a their best hitter's named Dave Matthews. I think Matt Schick on the selection show kind of made a reference to it this morning as well, but it was quick, so I, I didn't necessarily catch it. But the over-under on Dave Matthews band references being made during uh, CCSU's games, this regional is like over-under 500. Um, so look for that. They also have a pitcher named Mike Appel, like not Mark Appel, but Mike Appel. 
uh, for those uh, who remember the Stanford Ace. So um, a couple of just interesting notes there on CCSU, but uh, I think this is a fun regional. Um, I think it's Arkansas's to win, but but TCU and Cal both have things that, that I think is going to make them competitive as well. I think one other thing, one other note here on, on Cal is it's just going to be fun watching Andrew Vaughn and Corey Lee hit in bomb stadium. That place can be pretty offensive as well. And uh, I think, I think Andrew Vaughn's going to enjoy hitting in bomb stadium as long as he doesn't have to face Nick Lodolo probably. But uh, you know, there, there could be some balls flying there this weekend in Fayetteville. Now Fayetteville is paired up with Oxford. And again, this is one of the five potential conference matchups in super regionals. If the seeds hold Ole Miss hosting and they are the 12 seed, which is, I mean, it was, I, I understood them hosting, uh, seeing them rated as the number 12 overall seed was surprising considering that they are number two and are number 22 rather in RPI. Uh, but they played a ton of games against top 50 opposition, the most in the nation. And they had a winning record against it ultimately and, and made the finals of the SEC tournament before getting walked off on by Vanderbilt on Sunday. So all of that helped propel Ole Miss to the number 12 overall seed. They get Illinois uh, out of the Big Ten, Clemson coming in out of the ACC, and Jacksonville State, the Ohio Valley champions. Illinois and Clemson both had mm, weeks to forget, I suppose, at their conference tournaments. I mean, I guess Clemson did win a game, uh, and Matt Clark almost threw a no-hitter, so maybe maybe that's a little harsh on the Tigers. But they've definitely scuffled in the second half of the season and now have to go on the road for a regional for the first time under Monty Lee. Uh, Illinois, a team that Dave and I both picked to win the Big Ten tournament on this podcast last week, went 0-2 in Omaha. So it'll be interesting to see how the Illini bounce back, and they have to do it in a tough environment down in Oxford. Joe, when you look at this, I don't know, when I look at this, I see Ole Miss as a pretty prohibitive favorite. What, what, what say you? Certainly a favorite, um, but don't overlook Illinois. I mean, it's a team I've liked since the fall um, it's a team I've liked all season. We've talked about them in the top 25 throughout the year, but they're one of those teams that there's been several several teams like this. Every time we get ready to rank them, I mean, their series losses were just spaced out to where they never actually ended up ranked, uh, but certainly could have been at different points. Um, I just like really veteran teams, uh, kind of um, you know reminiscent of, of what I talked about earlier with Baylor. Um, Illinois is a pretty veteran team, and coming into the year, they were without Bryn Spillane, and we kind of wondered, will they be able to, to be better this year without uh, having a hitter like Brins play? And the answer was yes. I mean, they were in a position to potentially host a regional and didn't quite get there. But um, a veteran team that's had to deal with a lot this year. They've had injuries kind of left and right. Zach Taylor and Michael Massey and Ben Troike and Quinn Snarskis. And they've just fought through all of those, uh, which is really, really impressive. So I think that's it. And they're chomping at the bit. This is a team that thought they should have been in a regional last year, didn't get in. It's also a team that much of which was recruited in the immediate aftermath of that 2015 season that Illinois had where they got to a Super Regional and hosted. Um, so I think this is a team that's really eager, and I've, I've talked to Dan Hartlow about this, that, that it is a team eager to kind of make its own mark because they were recruited after that. So they had a high level of expectation and a, a high level of pride, and they just haven't been able to live up to it yet. So I think that's a team that's going to be raring to go. Um, so I really like them out there, and Clemson's dangerous, of course. Um, you know, that's a team with high-end talent, kind of really hit the skids down the stretch, um, but sometimes regionals can be a reset for teams, and a necessary reset, and you just kind of wonder if that's what, what Clemson kind of needed was just something to kind of to press the reset button on their season, and they certainly got that opportunity here. So 
Um, you know, Ole Miss is a favorite, but but uh, don't really, don't sleep on Illinois. I think that's a team that, that's got a real shot to get out of this thing. Dave, Ole Miss has been super streaky all season, and they were one in six in their last seven games going into the SEC tournament. Uh, but it looks like they got hot in Hoover. Mike Bianco down there talked about how he thought that sometimes older teams uh, can use conference tournaments. Like Joe's talking about a reset, they can use conference tournaments like that. And that's kind of what the Rebs did. Are they hot enough now to to roll through this regional? Yes, they are. I like them big, to be honest with you, Teddy. I, I, uh, I heard everything Joe said, and I agree with it. I think Clemson has a high-end talent that hasn't really – reach his potential throughout the year. I, as you know, as you said, I picked Illinois to win the Big Ten tournament, and I was wrong. But for me, again, a coaching aspect, Mike Bianco has the perfect model to prepare his team going into this regional. The majority of their team is all back from last year. We all know what happened last year with Tennessee Tech in their own backyard in Oxford, and it's a perfect coaching moment for him of – keeping his team focused of what the goal is at task uh, ahead of them. And I think they are a streak. They have been very streaky. But the, the, the regular season's over with now, as you said. It's now the postseason. And someone's going to have to go into Oxford, which we all know is one of the greater atmospheres in college baseball. Ole Miss plays extremely well there. They had a hiccup last year in the, in the regional against Texas Tech. But I like them big because of the – the negative experience they learned last year, uh, not saying looking past Tennessee Tech, I think Tennessee Tech just played better than them. They were a good team, a well-deserving team of moving on. But I think that uh, Ole Miss is playing well at the right time. They're playing with confidence. Uh, unfortunately, they weren't able to hold that lead, but I think they left Hoover feeling good about themselves for where they were after the last two weekends of SEC play and then going that far to play the championship game against the best team in the SEC this year and coming up a little short. But I like Ole Miss big in this. And, again, I think the, the veteran team that they have is going to look back to last year and not allow that to happen again. Well, let's keep it in the Magnolia State uh, because you can't talk too long about Ole Miss before you start talking about Mississippi State and vice versa. So number six overall seed is Mississippi State. They are hosting in Starkville in the new duty noble in what if that they're they're potentially going to set attendance records this weekend i think so you've got number one mississippi state they bring in miami is your two seed out of the acc central michigan won the mid-american conference tournament uh beating ball state uh and then you've got the number four seed southern which won the SWAC tournament uh, about a week ago now I don't know. I look at this and I see one of the easiest regionals on the board. Uh, I think that Miami is tough. There's talent there, but that's a team that hasn't been to regionals in two years. You know, Gino Damari is a first year head coach. He certainly has plenty of postseason experience, but now he's the one calling the shots, not Jim Morris. And they have to walk into Starkville where there will be 13,000 Mississippi State fans filling the new duty noble field. And I just feel like that's a pretty big ask for the Canes, uh, who have not really done, like they've been fine down the stretch, but they're, it's hard for me to say that that team's hot. And then it, it, they're, they're a little similar to Cal. They've actually won series against regional teams, but they all came at home. Uh, you know, they, they won three series against regional teams. 
They're all in Coral Gables, though. Anytime they go on the road against that kind of opponent, they haven't been able to pull out a series win. And now you're asking them to go to Starkville and do it. Uh, Central Michigan and Southern, I don't think there's a player on any of those rosters that has played in a regional game. And again, now they have to go do that in Starkville. And from Central Michigan's perspective, I don't think there's a player on that roster that has seen anything like what they're going to see this weekend. So again, just some pretty big asks going into Duty Noble Field. Joe, am I being too harsh here? Can one of these teams actually stop the freight train that is Mississippi State? No, I, I feel as confident with Mississippi State playing at home at the dude as I as I do just about anything else. I mean, I've been on them. Well, we all, we all really have. I mean, you can't deny how good they've been this year. I think we, we've all been on Mississippi State. But, you know, I think I think they're the prohibitive favorite here. I, I really like them to get through it. What I will say is, you know, I saw Miami just in a, a bit of a glimpse this year. And I think that team has an attitude about them that um, I think they're going to relish kind of the opportunity to go to Duty Noble and play in that kind of atmosphere. Um, I know some of that is probably just reputation um, because previous Miami teams have kind of had um, kind of had an edge to them when they go on the road and um, you know they, they play in these high intensity games and and so maybe that's just me being a little bit of a, a prisoner of that reputation but but I do think there is that on this team as well and I, I think it cuts both ways than missing out on regionals last couple of years it gives them that inexperience uh, that could allow things to speed up on them and, and get sideways. But at the same time, I think it's also a team eager to kind of prove themselves. So, you know, I think Miami is it ha- has a live shot for sure. But that oh my goodness, it's just such a tough ask to expect anybody to go in to Duty Noble and and win enough games uh, to to get out of the regional. Um, kudos just to Central Michigan quickly. I mean, I'm with you on that. And, and most of your Central Michigan would be a four a four seed, but some softer. Uh, we have some softer three seeds this year with the way it just kind of broke. But I mean, look, 46 and 12 and 22 and five in the Mac is just uh, under a first year head coach in Jordan Bischel uh, is really, really impressive stuff. So, and then they're pretty well balanced team. They hit a little bit. They've got a couple guys in the mound. Um, I'm a big fan of Pat Leatherman. I also just like the name Pat Leatherman. So, you know, pretty well-rounded team, a team that's loose. That's one of the things I noticed about Central Michigan when I saw them in Illinois State earlier this year. And Jordan Bischel has been upfront about that, just kind of trying to loosen the team up a little bit. You know, I've read, uh, not my reporting, but I've read other other people who have covered the team. They say that, you know, Bischel went in there and, and he said he thought his team took themselves a little too seriously when he took over there. So that was kind of something he was working on. And, and it seems to have worked. They seemed like a fun group that enjoyed playing around, playing with each other. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be a great opportunity for them and for that program. Uh, but I think this is Mississippi State's regional to win. I wouldn't be surprised if this is one of those regionals where you look up and, and Mississippi State went 3-0 and 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 there wasn't a whole lot of incident. Yeah, to that point about uh, just trying to lighten the chips up, uh, they had, go look this up. It was a a great video back in January, I want to say. Their field was completely frozen over, and one of their players uh, put on his hockey skates and went and tried to field ground balls out there. So that's... uh, that was pretty funny, and uh, I guess that just goes to goes goes hand in hand with Jordan Bischel trying to loosen that group up. Dave, when you look at this, do you think I'm being too harsh, or, or is this Mississippi State's regional to lose? No, I, I think it's Mississippi State's regional to lose. Uh, they by far are one of the better teams in the country, and they play wonderful at home in front of that huge crowd. And like you said, it's going to be record-breaking crowds. Again, using the coaching uh, tag. Uh, as a coach, you always want to take your players into different atmospheres. You, you always want to get your team to the postseason because that's important. But just 
I'm talking about Central Michigan and Southern now. How great is it for those teams to be going into this atmosphere? They may not have a chance to get to to win a game. One of them is, is going to win a game. But just think of the experience these players are going to get playing in that kind of atmosphere. Probably the best atmosphere, one of the best atmospheres in college baseball. And kudos to, to Southern. Just a few years ago, they were in APR trouble. They weren't winning many games. And now they're in the postseason. And just a great story. And, again, they're being rewarded. They, they may go 0-2. Who knows? But they're being rewarded because their players are going to end their season playing in, 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 uh, in, at Mississippi State. And they could look back, and that could end up being their World Series if they never make the College World Series. And just to gain that experience and to have to play in that atmosphere is just wonderful for both those teams. But going back to your question, I, I like Miami, and, and I told – I said earlier in the year they they were one of those dark horse teams that just kept coming on and on, but Miami is typically usually good in regionals when they're playing in Coral Gables. Now they're going away; they're going into play, going into one of the toughest atmospheres to play in. And uh, I like Mississippi State, and like you said, it wouldn't uh, wouldn't be surprising to me if they if they uh, went through it pretty easily three and zero. So Mississippi State is paired up with Stanford and. In that Stanford regional, you've got uh, where Stanford is the number 11 overall seed. You've got uh, this is the all California regional, and it starts with UC Santa Barbara, the Big West champs, first time since 1986. The Gauchos uh, stumbled last weekend against Cal Poly, but ultimately did get it done, get the the league title, and they are the number two seed here. Fresno State, which doubled up on Mountain West Conference titles. Uh, first time they've won the Mountain West Tournament since joining the league in 2012. They are the three, and in contrast to Central Michigan being a soft three, that is a very hard three for Stanford. Uh, and then Sac State, number four, they went down to the WAC Tournament, lost their first game uh, in the first round there. There were some buys, and they become the first team in WAC tournament history to lose the first round game and go on to win the tournament and also the first team uh, to eliminate the five other teams in the tournament. So kind of a fun, quirky, historic stay for, for Sacramento State in Mesa this weekend, uh, but a, a great job by Reggie Christensen and his Hornets to, uh, to win five straight elimination games and now uh, advance to the NCAA tournament. In, in this one, it, it's a tough regional here. In contrast to Mississippi State's regional, like Stanford has has a tough road to hoe here. I like Stanford to come out of it, but it's it's definitely not going to be easy. Uh, Dave, when you size up this all California regional, kind of what what do you see? First thing I want to ask the committee is when whoever wins this, do they are they declared the California State champions? Because it is an all California regional. Um, this is a this is the toughest one, and notoriously. Each year, somewhere on the West Coast, whether it's UCLA back in the day when it was Fullerton and now Stanford, uh, it's going to be, it's usually one of the tougher regionals in the country. It's usually not all four California teams like this one is, but if I'm Stanford, I'm, you know, obviously they're a very good club. They're a team that was being talked about as a possible uh, eight in one of the top eight seeds. And now they have two teams in there, three teams in there, because I think Sacramento State, I talked earlier about Ohio State, I think Sacramento State may be one of the toughest four seeds along with Ohio State. So right out of the gate, they've got a very tough opponent, and 
like you said, UC Santa Barbara and, and Fresno State are no slouches. I think Santa Barbara, again, another team that was talking about being host, uh, that was going to host. They don't host. Now they go to Stanford. Fresno State won the Mountain West going away. I've, I've said publicly with Mike Basel, he loves this team, how tough they are. This by far is one of the toughest regional, and I think it's going to be tough on – I. I see Stanford because they're at home, but I think that they're going to have to fight and claw to get this. And in the back of their minds, and I could be wrong on this, but in the back of their minds, I think the last two years they've been at home and a Big West team named Cal State Fullerton has eliminated them in a regional to move on. So I'm sure that's in the back of their mind with UC Santa Barbara, a team from the Big West, the only team from the Big West in this regional. So I think it's the toughest regional, and Stanford's going to have to play at the top of their game to come out on top, but I think Fresno and UC Santa Barbara are going to give them everything they can to, to move on, and I wouldn't be shocked if one of those two can move on out of this. Stanford being the 11 overall seed is also interesting. Obviously, there's a disconnect there between our top 25 and what the committee is ranking, and I always say that their mission is different than our mission, and that's why some of these things happen sometimes, but that's tough that's a really tough regional for a team that we think is really good. And it's just going to be interesting to see how that all shakes out. Joe, can Stanford win a home regional for the first time in three years? Yeah, I think so. I mean, for a lot of the reason you suggested there, I mean, they're, they're better than uh, just in terms of the talent, they are better than, you know, the 11 seeded team. Uh, that's, that's, that has more to do with the metrics than, than in, in the talent there. We obviously think they're a lot better than that. So for sure. I mean, it is a tough regional. Uh, you know, you've got a Santa Barbara team that, speaking of teams more talented and where they're seated, I mean, that's a team that, that, let's face it, if they had had, if the Big West was a little better this year, or if they had had, you know, a, another non-conference series that was a marquee series win, they're, they're probably hosting. Um, and no one would feel... Uh, feel like that was that was wrong. So that's certainly a more talented team. And then Fresno State's been as hot as every as anybody in the country, really, especially on the West Coast of late. Um, and that that first game in UC Santa Barbara and Fresno State with Fresno State's Ryan Jensen on the mound is going to be a whole lot of fun because it's not your father's UCSB. They they swing it more than more than uh, most of those teams in the recent recent past have. So that's going to be an interesting one. I think both those teams have a chance to get out of this. And just a quick shout to Reggie Christian in Sacramento State. And I tweeted this last night, but you know, the whack has been kind of up in the air. You know, the, the, the membership has shifted quite a bit, and I think we're all trying to figure out who kind of the class of that league is. And Grand Canyon's on the rise, and, and New Mexico State under Brian Green has been quite good in the regular season the last several years, and UTRGV has, has improved. And yet Sacramento State is kind of the most consistent team out there in terms of regional appearances, and that's, that's pretty impressive, and they're back again. Sac State is actually piggyback off of that. They are one of the most consistent teams in California uh, over like the last six years. I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, but it's unbelievable when you just look at the number of wins they have over the last six years and you stack them up to everyone else in the state of California. Like it's more than UCLA. It's it's pretty impressive what, what they've quietly built out there. And uh, so we'll see how they compete this weekend in Stanford. Moving down the bracket, we have Louisville. Uh, they are the number seven overall seed, and they won the ACC regular season, went 0-2 in the ACC tournament. I have said many times on this podcast uh, how poor Dan McDonald's record is in uh, conference tournaments, and that did not improve any this week or, or last week in Durham. But anyway, they get the seven overall seed. didn't really affect them at all. Uh, they get Indiana as their two seed. They're the Big Ten champs. 
Um, Illinois State comes in. They tied DBU for the Missouri Valley regular season title, had the MVC tournament on their home field, didn't fare quite as well as they would have liked there, I'm sure. And then the four seed, Illinois Chicago, which upset Wright State in the Horizon League tournament and Illinois Chicago now in regionals for the second time in three years. They uh, they get a tough draw here, though, with Louisville. The Cardinals have looked really good all season long. It's been a little shakier here the last few weeks, I suppose. Going to be a bit of an interesting contrast in styles with Indiana if that matchup transpires on Saturday night. Uh, but, Joe, when you look at this one, uh, wh- what do you see from this group? Uh, and I know you've seen most of these teams. I guess you, you probably did not see USC, but you saw the rest of these teams this year being in the Midwest. What uh, what jumps out to you? Yeah, I think it's it's the way it sets up for Louisville. Uh, Indiana is a tough two. They're a very talented team. I, I, you know, the offense is what gets a lot of the attention, but I like the pitching too. Andrew Salfrank was the Big Ten pitcher of the year. You know, it was a year in the Big Ten when there were a lot of candidates. He was not a runaway winner of that award, but he won it nonetheless, and that was a big key for them. And I really like Polly Milto. Polly Milto is one of my favorite players in college baseball just because he's the consummate solid college pitcher on Friday nights, just a battler who, whose numbers are probably better than you think they are. Um, so it's not just the offense, but the offense is obviously uh, what draws the attention there. But I think Louisville's a tough matchup just because, you know, Louisville is, is probably holding Reed Detmers and given Indiana's feast or famine, the feast or famine nature of Indiana's offense, that just, that, that feels like it could be a, a 15, 16 strikeout game there. Um, so I've always said if Indiana goes up against the wrong pitcher in a regional or, or what have you, it could it could be a little bit of trouble. And I think now Reed Detmers has 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 been a little more up and down the second half of the season than he was in the first half when he looked like he might be a national player of the year type guy. Uh, so there is that volatility in there. But if Detmers is on, that's going to be a really tough matchup for Indiana. Uh, Illinois State is not going to be um, odd by the moment. Uh, one thing they did pretty well, and one of the reasons why they're in a regional and we're an at-large team is because they played a tough schedule. They caught some breaks. I don't know if they could have predicted that Creighton would be such a, a positive on their resume in terms of the RPI. But, you know, they, they went and played Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, Central Michigan came to them, and, and they probably couldn't anticipate that either, that Central Michigan was going to be as good as they were. And uh, But they, they also played Creighton. Now, they didn't win as many of those games as they would have liked, but, but it shows they played a high level of team in non-conference, and the Valley was pretty good this year. So I don't think this is going to be a rollover, and I, I like their offense. And if, and if you're a draft guy, uh, John Rave is a really nice player in their lineup, their center fielder who does a little bit of everything. He's kind of a fun guy. So um, I think Louisville just has a really good matchup here. I really like Louisville here, and I think it, it probably helps a little bit. They have not played as well of late um, because I think th- this is a team that kind of uh, is prepared to bounce back from stuff like that. I, I don't have a lot of worry that it's going to be something that drags over into this weekend. Dave, this is a Louisville team that you like coming into the year. Um, how much do you like them in as they head into the postseason? I like them a lot. They're, you know, we talked about this earlier in the year. Uh, you know, the consistency of the program of, of what Dan has done there is unbelievable. Yes, I know they've, they've, they've hit a little bit of a streak towards the end of the season, but uh, they know what this time of year is. They may have been looking past their last few weeks. They notoriously have not done well in the ACC tournament. That's been real consistent. But when it gets to regional time, they, they usually click it in. And I expect that to be no different. Um, I think Indiana will be uh, the team that's going to probably push them a little bit. 
but I think in the end, uh, Louisville and their, their experience of what they've done with that program and how he's elevated that program of the expectations, I, I believe that they're the class of this regional. They are paired with uh, Greenville, North Carolina, where East Carolina is hosting. This is kind of a fun potential super regional matchup to look down the line a little bit if the seeds hold. But before we get to that, uh, we got to talk about what uh, East Carolina has to beat. So East Carolina, your American champs, uh, regular season, we thought they were going to, or at least I thought they were going to storm through the conference tournament that did not happen in Clearwater they went one and two surprisingly eliminated by Wichita State just could not get past the shockers losing both of their games against Wichita down in Clearwater so they're now looking to bounce back North Carolina State uh, is going there that's a team that uh, this time last week thought it was probably going to get a home regional Uh, now it has to go down the road uh, to ECU in what if that game happens on Saturday, uh, ECU, NC State, it will absolutely be rocking in Greenville. And uh, I mean, that that's going to be, we've talked a lot about environments. That is going to be an absolutely awesome environment if it happens. Uh, but there's no guarantee it happens because Campbell, the three seed, is dangerous coming out of the Big South. They have some real pro talent there. And that's a team that made noise last year in the Athens Regional. Uh, so they've got some experience as well. And then the number four seed, the interloper into this all North Carolina Regional is Quinnipiac. And what I have for you on Quinnipiac, in addition to the fact that they won the Metro Atlantic, is that they have potentially the best, well, it's one of the best. I don't want to drop this as the best. Uh, Twitter handle in college baseball, at the Q Baseball. So that's what I got for you on Quinnipiac. I'm sure Joe will have more. But Dave, when you look at this regional, I mean, that East Carolina-NC State matchup really stands out. But these are it's a pretty loaded regional here uh, for the, that the Pirates are going to be hosting. It is. And, and I got the chance to watch Campbell in their, in their tournament, and I was, I was impressed by them. And obviously, you know, NC State's uh, resume over the course of the year, we all know what they did at the start of the year, cooled off a little bit. But they're still a scary team. They're a scary team to, to play this time of year because they've had success. Obviously, Coach Avent does a good job. And um, But, uh, you know, East Carolina has done, a, has done as good a job as anyone in the country of staying consistent. They, they won the American going away. Obviously, they, they, uh, they didn't do as well in the tournament. But, uh, again, maybe they're looking beyond that a little bit for what they were preparing for. I think in their own backyard, East Carolina is going to be tough. But I think it is it is a good balanced tournament, and I think that atmosphere is going to be crazy. It's a, it's a great ballpark. It's a great place to play. I've had that, that opportunity before, and uh, it's going to be an exciting, as you said, uh, if NC State and, and East Carolina match up, that place is going to be wild. Joe, is uh, at the Q Baseball one of the best Twitter handles in college baseball? Not only is the answer yes to that question, they are also one of the teams that have uh, one of my favorite. I know uniform preferences are kind of, uh, you know, everybody's got what they prefer, right? But some people prefer kind of the the more garish ones. Some people prefer kind of just the classic look. Some people like throwbacks. Quinnipiac's got one that I like that's just um, just a, a plain top that just has a Q on the chest, you know, um, which I, I just kind of like that. The simplicity of it. They've got pretty good colors, so... Um, there's that. I do have some actual baseball stuff on Quinnipiac too. I mean, one of the ways in which 
a four seed can kind of have some success as an underdog is if you can kind of create chaos and kind of put pressure on the host team. Because let's be honest, there's there's pressure in hosting too. Everyone expects you to blow out the four seed, especially if it's a northeastern four seed. And so I, I think back to last year, interestingly, when, when Army beat NC State, one of the reasons they did is Army's got a guy named Jacob Herdebees who just is like scores runs on his own by basically getting on with like bunt hits and infield singles and then steal second, steals third, and scores on a, on a pass ball. Um, Quinnipiac likes to run. 106 stolen bases on the year, and they're pretty spread out throughout the team. So this is a team that's, that's going to run from just about every spot in the lineup. And you could see a scenario, whether it's East Carolina or whether it's NC State in a game or, or what have you, a situation where Quinnipiac just puts a lot of pressure on the other team, um, and they start to throw the ball around a little bit, or they, they start to panic a little bit, and the game speeds up on them. So I think that's a, a way in which a four-seed can kind of have a little bit of an advantage. Uh, they've also got a real workhorse uh, in Andrew Workman in the bullpen. Uh, 126 ERA over 50 innings of work. He's had a really, really nice year there. I imagine if, if they are in any, in any position to pull an upset or at least keep a game competitive, they will go to him as early as they can. Um, one thing that stood out to me when this regional came out is just that this is not necessarily a unique thing. Regionals are, by uh, definition, regional, in that a lot of times you you know you get an all-California regional, you get an all-Deep South regional, but the, these top three teams here are very familiar with each other. Um, and so I don't know who that favors, who that benefits. I, I don't know the answer to that, and it's probably different depending on when and where it is, but uh, these are those top three teams are not um, unfamiliar with each other, and and maybe that helps a Campbell team, um, you know, pull an upset a little bit, or or maybe it helps you know the favorite here just because there, there's really no secret about the underdog. There's nothing to surprise them. I don't know, but I think that's an interesting thing when you've got that level of familiarity. Yeah, I'll be honest. I like the Camels here, uh, not necessarily to win. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I, I just like their chances to, you know, kind of blow th- some perceptions up about this. In the state of North Carolina, a lot of people are just going to be fast-forwarding to Saturday night when they assume that it'll be ECU, NC State. And I just feel like Campbell definitely has... NC State better take Campbell seriously, and I think they will because they understand. They've played them enough. They know what they are. But it wouldn't surprise me to see Campbell playing on Saturday night. And if they did that, it wouldn't surprise me if Campbell won this regional. I, I think that the the humps are really good we'll see if they can stand up against these other two really good teams if they can handle the environment that ecu will present but i I think that that is one of the the more intriguing regionals like dave said it's it's a pretty balanced regional uh, especially with those top three teams i don't know what quinnipiac's doing here um, in this all north carolina regional again but uh those, those top three teams are very familiar I think the atmosphere for, for all of the games as a result of, you know, all those three teams being so close to Greenville, um, you know, they're all going to have a lot of fans there. So it should be a fun time. We are down to the last line of this trip through the bracket. And Texas Tech is the number eight overall seed they're hosting in Lubbock. Uh, they are bringing in Dallas Baptist, which won the Missouri Valley regular season, but as we mentioned before, did not get it done in the conference tournament, lost in the championship game to Indiana State. So DBU goes to Lubbock, Florida, headed to Lubbock, and the Gators have some history with Texas Tech in Omaha. Now they're going to uh, see what they can do in regionals. 
And then number four is Army, the Patriot League champs. Like Joe said, they upset NC State in the opening game a year ago. They will be looking to do that again this year in Texas at Texas Tech. I do not like their matchup this year. I loved their matchup last year. Uh, if you were listening to this podcast last year, I called that upset. I'm not prepared to do that here. I think that it, it's just not as good of a matchup for Army uh, this year. I, I thought last year uh, NC State was kind of ripe to get picked off by a four seed on that first game. I, I think Texas Tech's pitching is a little bit better than what NC State had to offer last year. And Texas Tech, as I've said many, many times, it's just a different team in Lubbock. They play way better there. Um, and it's, I think Army's going to struggle to keep up offensively. It's going to be interesting to see what Florida has. Florida, of course, swept Mizzou uh, two weeks ago now. And that's really what has them in the field here. They pushed AM on Tuesday in the SEC tournament, uh, lost in extra innings. They looked pretty good doing it, and they've now had a week off. So I, I don't know how that all shakes out. They're going to need their pitchers, their frontline pitchers, to take a step up. Tommy Mace and Jack Leftwich definitely did that against Mizzou, and Mace looked good at the SEC tournament on short rest. So I'll, I'll be interested to see what they can do here against two pretty good offenses in Texas Tech and DBU. I think this is a pretty open regional. As much as I love the way that Texas Tech plays in Lubbock, uh, I do think they can be beat, and I think that DBU and Florida have a chance to do it. Uh, but we'll we'll see what happens. It, it's not going to be an easy task for either one of them. Uh, Joe, you were you were just with Texas Tech in Oklahoma City. Um, you know what kind of where do you feel like uh, the Red Raiders are at and uh, do you think that this is uh, – do you agree with me that this is kind of an open regional? Yeah, I think it's pretty open, not necessarily because I'm, I'm down on tech, but because I, I think obviously Florida's playing well, playing better than they have really all season. Um, and then Dallas Baptist is a team I really like in a regional setting in particular. I like them in the abstract, but I do really like them in the, in the regional setting as well. I mean, for the same reason I, that we talked about a few weeks ago when we first ranked them, in that I just really like their pitching depth, and I think it sets up well for a regional. Obviously, they can get it done offensively as well, but look, you're going to get, you're going to have to go to plan, not just plan A and B, but plan C, D, E, and F in a regional oftentimes, and I think they're well equipped to do that because they've gotten a lot of different stuff from a lot of guys in the pitching staff. That being said though, I I really like Texas Tech's team. I know they played well in Oklahoma City and and it felt like I'm not saying they they didn't want to win. Um but towards the end of their run there, they had um you know, they lost that game to Alec Manoa on the second day of the tournament. It put them in the losers bracket. Um and they would have they had a long a long road ahead of them to kind of get back and um you know, with the schedule being what it was in Oklahoma City where you know, they would have um, you know, they were potentially, the weather was making it to where they were potentially going to play an extra game Sunday beforehand. Now that wasn't on their side of the bracket, but there was, there was a chance they would have ended up having the schedule get compressed on them. I just think it might've been better for them to have not gone any deeper in Oklahoma city for the sake of resting their arms. Um, but, but I, you know, they showed exactly kind of what you wanted to see. It was quick strike offense. They scored a lot of two out runs um, Josh Young heated up later in the week. Cameron Warren played really well all week. Gabe Holt was doing his his Gabe Holt things, and they found some some length in the lineup. Um, you know, they went to Easton Morrell at third base. Uh, he really gave them some things over the weekend. Um, they were kind of uh, 
platooning catchers a little bit. Braxton Fulford was still doing most of it, but but there were other guys in the mix there. So you know, Dylan Noisy is a little thing, uh, something to watch. It, it looked like he might have, I think uh, Tim Tadlock said he might have pulled a hamstring there kind of towards the end of the game when they were eliminated against West Virginia. So that'll be something to watch heading into the weekend. But um, I just really like their team. I like their chances to come out of this regional. I think they'll be pushed a little bit, um, but I think they found enough on the pitching staff uh, to get them through a regional, um, which I think is their biggest test because that's where your pitching is tested the most. Um, so I like them to come through it, but I think it's going to be a fun regional. Dave, what, what's your take on, on Lubbock? It's hard. It's hard to go against uh, Texas Tech and what they've done. Uh, if I'm right, I think they've been to Omaha three out of the last four years. But I think this may end up being one of the bigger upsets in the regionals. Um, I like the way Florida has played at the end of the year. But when I looked at this, when I saw this bracket come out, you know, Florida has not played well on the road this year. And it hasn't been a typical Florida year, but uh, they're young and their pitching isn't as strong. It has come on late, but it, uh, they've struggled on the road, except for that Missouri series. They've really struggled on the road. They're going into territories that a Florida program, a Florida team is not used to. I can't even, I can't even remember. I'd like you to look up or Joe could look it up. The last time a Florida team played in the state of Texas, team that's kind of been up and down a little bit, I really like Dallas Baptist in this bracket. And I don't know why. You know, I have a lot of respect for, for what they've done. Uh, they're going to swing the bats. I think they're going to match Texas Tech's offense a little bit. I like this to be the upset of a, a lot of – and I, they're the two seed, so it's not a huge upset. But I really like – I have a feeling about Dallas Baptist in this. And it's nothing against what, how Texas Tech is playing. Uh, Tim Tadlock has done a fabulous job but i think when this bracket came out everyone just well that's texas techs you know off of their their last few years and all the success they have i think this is going to be a lot harder it wouldn't shock me if they win this but it's not going to shock me at all if dallas baptist wins game one at florida and goes on to win this bracket um uh in 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 lubbock and uh and again it's it's going to be a good regional but uh, for some reason, I'm pulling towards, uh, and I know this isn't a prediction deal. I just really like Dallas Baptist in this regional. Yeah, I think that's they're, they're definitely one of the the better twos. I feel like um, I don't know, maybe that's overstating it, but I, I I also like what what they're bringing to the table, and it's an experienced team. That's a team that's in regionals every year. They're they're not going to be intimidated by facing a Florida or facing a Texas Tech. So that's a it's an intriguing regional there. In Lubbock, and it is paired with Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State's regional, which is being held in Oklahoma City. Joe, can you just quickly, what is that? Yeah, so Oklahoma's really kind of been pounded uh, weather-wise, and, and I drove through the state of Oklahoma um, over the last week, and I can I can attest to the fact that not only a we had several tornado warnings and watches while I was in Oklahoma City, but also just just about every night. And thankfully, it wasn't during the day, which would have really uh, messed up the bracket. Every night it seemed like there was just a huge thunderstorm coming through, dropping a ton of rain, and, and all those creeks I drove past were just uh, full to the brim, felt like they couldn't take much more. And I just think the amount of rain that Allie P. Reynolds has taken on uh, made that an untenable situation. So they're going to be playing at uh, Chickasaw Bricktown Ballpark in Oklahoma City, which, uh, you know, they've got some recent success there. They just won the tournament title there. So I think there'll be a level of comfort for them there. And also, you know, I hadn't thought about this until Josh Holiday put something out on Twitter uh, you know, their softball team is going to be in the Women's College World Series playing in Oklahoma City that weekend as well. So it's kind of a cool opportunity if you're a 
Oklahoma State fan to go out and be able to support both teams. I know the Women's College World Series is a tough ticket, especially when local teams are there. So, you know, I don't know how likely it is you can get a ticket to both, but um, it'd be kind of a cool deal to at least be in the city supporting those two teams. And so a disappointment that the Cowboys aren't going to be able to host at LEP, at least not for a regional. Now, I do, I do not know the status of if it would be available for a super regional should there be an upset in Lubbock. Um, so I, I'm not so sure about that, but you know, Josh Holiday told us in post game uh, one of the on one of the evenings that um, they use that as a motivation thing for the team late in the year. One of the catalysts he thought for the team playing well was that he he planted that seed that hey, you know, we could be hosting at LEP one more time uh, before we send that stadium off. So you know, and he felt like the team really pushed for that. So it is disappointing that was something that that they were looking forward to doing. They're not going to get the opportunity to do at least in a regional. Uh, but with that being said, I mean, I think Oklahoma State fans are going to turn out in huge numbers in Oklahoma City. Um, you know, if you're an OKC-based uh, OSU alum or, or fan, it certainly is, um, you know, going to be a lot easier to get there versus heading out to Stillwater. Uh, certainly the capacity is higher, um, so perhaps there'll just be some huge crowds, uh, which would be great for this regional. So uh, disappointing from that standpoint, but I think there are some positives there as well. Yeah, it is tough. This is Allie P. Reynolds' last stadium. or. Ali P. Reynolds Stadium last year. Uh, they're they're opening a brand new ballpark uh, next year, and so would have been a very fitting send off to to Ali P. Um, but certainly uh, a nice pivot into into Oklahoma City there uh, for the Cowboys. Coming in, they have Connecticut, UConn, as I mentioned, played in the AAC tournament title game. Uh, did not go very well for them against Cincinnati, but uh, UConn now in as a two seed in Oklahoma City. Nebraska, which also played in its tournament title game, and it also did not go well for them. They are going to Oklahoma City as the three. And Harvard, which won both the Ivy League and the Ivy League playoff series, they are in as the four for first regional trip for the Crimson since 2005. I really like the way this sets up for Oklahoma State. Um, UConn has had its moments this year, but it really never has put it all together. And frankly, I think the week in Clearwater was just kind of a microcosm of that. They played really well, got to the title game, and then just it, it didn't go well. And then Nebraska has been a little up and down, I feel like, just kind of missing that that last little boost to get them over the top in the Big Ten. Um, and you know, I, I think they're gonna, it's a tough task to go play Oklahoma state right now, no matter who you are, because Oklahoma state is one of the absolute hottest teams in the country. They won the big 12 tournament. It wasn't that long ago that they went out, uh, and won a series in Corvallis. They've, they've really just been playing very well for a month and, you know, they've played themselves all the way up to the number nine overall seed. Dave, this Oklahoma State team really seems like it has momentum. I feel like it's a team that can get to Omaha. Um, wh- what do you th- what do you make of the Cowboys, and what do you make of this regional? Well, I'm going to go back to what the question you asked me about how much does coaching play into a team's success this time of the year. We've I've talked about this privately with you and Joe when we've been off the air. I have the utmost respect for Josh Holiday, Rob Walton, and that coaching staff for what has consistently been at Oklahoma State as they've been a staff together, that every year they seem to get off to a little bit of a slow start. They kind of figure their team out a little bit. They coach them up. 
And this time of the year, tournament time, going to the regionals, they're always being talked about as one of the hotter teams in the country. And I think that's attributed to the coaching that those guys do and the leadership that Josh Holiday does. And I really like their team right now. You know, what kind of got a little understated a little bit was the fact of what they had to do Sunday to get to the championship game. They were supposed to play late Saturday night, as Joe knows, because he was out there. They had the thunderstorm come through. They canceled the game. They had to come back in the morning, play TCU, and huge advantage to West Virginia. Going into the championship game, Oklahoma State had a tough-fought game against TCU, and they come back and they, they, they win going away against uh, West Virginia 5-2. to two. A fabulous, another, job, another fabulous job by, by Josh Holliday and Rob Walton and their coaching staff, and I really like them a lot. I think they're playing good baseball, and Unfortunately, how they had to switch the schedule due to all the rain and all the stuff they've had going on out there in the Oklahoma, the state of Oklahoma, but almost ends up being a blessing. Their team gets to go back where they just were able to celebrate the Big 12 championship. They get to go back and play in a bigger ballpark that's going to be able to, to, to fill up with a lot more people, local people are going to be able to come to the game. As Joe said, their softball team playing in the, the College World Series. I want to give a shout-out to Ken Gaes a former player of mine, a former staff member of mine at Tennessee is my director of ops, the head coach at Oklahoma, getting them there for the first time as a head coach. And um, just a, I, I like Oklahoma State a lot. I, I, I think uh, UConn is a team I liked. I liked them in, the, in, in their tournament. They came up short um, in the last game, obviously, more than just a little short. They obviously were short on pitching. Um, I like Nebraska. I like their coaching staff. I think Coach Erstead does a great job. Uh, obviously, Teddy Silva and Mike Kirby do a great job, but I just think Oklahoma State is playing at a different level right now, and I like them a lot. Joe, uh, can anyone stop the the Cowboys right now? I, I I have a hard time seeing it. They're just playing really well right now, and that's an obvious statement given that they just won the tournament title. Um, but yeah, I I think they're just they're, they're kind of clicking on all cylinders, and, and the big difference is, has been the way the pitching has turned around. You go back to that Texas Tech weekend where they got swept and got a couple of short starts. Since then, you know Parker Scott and Jensen Elliott have been really really good, and, and they got a great start from from Brett Stanley in the, in the championship game, uh, his best start since uh, you know in more than a month. So it feels like they're kind of hitting on on all cylinders. They're kind of a team, you know, NC State is a team we talk about kind of mixing and matching on the pitching staff. And I think that's a one way in which NC State actually is maybe um, prepared to, to play well in a regional because they're used to kind of having to, to mix it up on the mound. And I think Oklahoma State's kind of that way. They, they got stretched to, to five games in Oklahoma City, which is a tough thing to do over that short of a period of time. And it, it never really felt like they had to do anything too out of, um, out of character. They never had to do anything that felt like they were really pushing it with a kid or – uh, anything like that. I mean, they, they did throw, you know, Noah Seifert had five appearances on the year. They threw him, uh, you know, they stretched out Brady Basso a little bit. I mean, so there were some guys maybe who got some more innings than they would have otherwise, but um, they turned the ball over to, to a lot of different guys and never really had to push anybody too hard. I think that's kind of impressive. And I think that shows that that's kind of something that they could do in a regional. So the offense is what it is. You know, the offense is going to hit a bunch of home runs. It's going to strike out a lot. And um, you know, kind of like Indiana and Jeff Mercer, Josh Holiday's not too worried about that. And I don't really blame him <laughs> given, given what they've been able to accomplish this year. So I really like Oklahoma state. It's easy for me to say, I just saw them do what they did, but I think I'd feel that way. Even had I not seen that, I mean, this is a team rounding into form at the right time. I mean, I moved them into my eight for Omaha. This 
morning, last night, whenever I finished writing off the bat today. And I did that fully knowing that probably wouldn't actually be possible to, to have both them and Texas Tech uh, and Stanford and uh, you know all, all together in my Omaha 8 once the field was announced. But that's just the level at which I feel like Oklahoma State is playing that uh, when people have been asking me, you know, who outside the top eight seeds do you think could break through or, you know, who, who do you like uh, that's flying a little under the radar right now on a national level? It's, it's been, I've been saying Oklahoma State for the last week now, and um, I don't know how under the radar they are now that they've won the Big 12 title, uh, now that they are the number nine overall seed. But if you're looking uh, for one of the hottest teams in the country going into the, into the tournament, uh, look no further than the Cowboys. And so I, I, I like the way this sets up for them this weekend, and, and then we'll see where, where it goes from there. Speaking of where it goes from there, I know I said that I didn't really want to do predictions on this podcast to you guys before we started recording, but I do want to get a national title prediction um, now that we've seen the field. I will go first since I'm sprinting this on you, and I will say that even though I know that usually the um, best team oftentimes we see does not win the national title, it's been few years since the number one overall seed did it. I can't not pick UCLA. Um, I still am going to hold on, hold dear to my Florida State preseason pick. Uh, so if the Knowles do make this happen, I will absolutely um, champion that uh, and remind everyone that I made that pick. But right now, as the tournament starts, I think I've got to go with UCLA. I just feel like the Bruins have been so consistent this season. I think it's the best pitching staff in the country. They field at a really high level, and they have the offense. I, I think it's the most complete team in the country. And so right now, for me, it's hard to go any direction other than the Bruins. Um, Dave, who uh, who are you looking at as as the tournament starts? Well, I'm going to take it a little. I'm going to take it a step farther on that, Teddy. And you did drop this on this on us, but I think we've talked about this a lot. We've talked a lot about is this going to be a chalk year? And I think there's going to be some there's going to be some some surprises along the way. I talked about Dallas Baptist and the Texas Tech Regional, but I'm really looking forward to uh, a national championship of UCLA versus Vanderbilt. And I think I'm going to side with you. I think UCLA goes away as the national champion, but I think they have to get through Vanderbilt. And I think in one of the the better classic national championship series of two teams that are kind of mirrored of each other. But I think the UCLA strength of their pitching staff and their consistent defense, but Vanderbilt plays great defense. I think UCLA goes away with coach. Savage's second national championship. That would be a fantastic finals. If we, if we were able to get that, uh, Joe, who do you got? I'm going to go Vanderbilt, you know, number one team in the preseason team that I picked in our, our preseason edition, as the national champions, and not only that, I mean, that would have made them an attractive enough candidate to begin with, but also, I mean, they and UCLA have really just been on another level compared to everyone else in the country over the last uh, month, six weeks. Um, both looked really good to finish the season. Um, so I'm going to go Vanderbilt uh, just for the fact that they've, they've been so consistent all season. They came into the year with those expectations, absolutely lived up to every last bit of it. And here they are going into the postseason as the number two overall seed and, and would be a number one, uh, you know, had UCLA not also had a historically great year. So um, impressive year for the Commodores all around. I'm going to continue to ride them. All righty. So as we look forward now, um, 
throughout the rest of the week, we will have content over at baseballamerica.com previewing uh, the regional round of the NCAA tournament. And then moving forward, of course, we will continue that uh, through supers and uh, into the College World Series. Also, it is a good time to remind you um, that the draft begins a week from today and that at baseballamerica.com, you can find the BA 500. And I believe that all 500 reports, scouting reports for the, the top players in the draft have been written. So you can uh, dive into that over the next week um, as you begin draft prep in addition to prep for the NCAA tournament. Uh, we will be back here at some point next week for another edition of the podcast with regionals wrapping up on Monday. It might not be until Tuesday. We will figure that out. And because the schedule is a little uncertain, now is a great time to remind you that uh, you should subscribe to the Baseball America podcast so that no matter whether we decide to record Monday, Tuesday, or who knows when, uh, you will get that latest episode just straight to your phone uh, on your favorite podcast uh, listening app. So make sure uh, to subscribe to the Baseball America podcast. And if you can, please rate and review us. It helps other people to find the podcast. Thank you all for listening to this marathon edition of the Baseball America College podcast as we uh, broke down each regional in the NCAA tournament. Uh, and thank you to Joe and to Dave for helping me uh, go through it all. So we will be back here at some point next week. Just stay tuned for the, the schedule as we figure it out. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you to Dave. Thank you to Joe. I've been Teddy. Uh, we'll see you guys later. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor, you are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.